Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to You Are OK. This is Mara. Brian is on the other line. The music we are listening to is Anel's Be Still Thy Soul. And we'd like to start with this Rabia the Mystic quote In the valley on the mountain, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted in his flame. Amid the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. Namaste, my friends. Brian, welcome this morning. Thank you so much, and welcome to the show. I love that quote. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have it on my desk hidden so I can see it, but others don't. (laughs) It's a reminder. (laughs) It's a beautiful reminder. Thank you. And Brian, will you lead us in your opening prayer? I love that prayer. Sure thing. Only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, because He who sent us will direct us. We are content to be wherever He wishes, knowing He goes there with us. We will be healed as we let Him teach us to heal. You know, I absolutely love that prayer in so many ways. One of them being the fact that it really does say everything that I've really connected with in my life as far as my intention goes as I go throughout my day. That I realize that everything is already given to me. And it's just for me to sit and notice, become observant of, and enjoy what is brought forth to me, if you will. And this is a wonderful reminder for me to set aside all my worries and be thankful for everything that, every event that comes into my life. And it can be a tough thing at times to do, I know, because I've struggled with it myself. But the more accepting I become of everything that comes into my life, the more of a gift I see it all to be, and the more I learn and grow from each moment in my life when I do that. You know, that is so, so very, very, very true. I I, um, I think that the key to peace is, is enjoying where you are, being content where you are. Um, and it, it can vary. There's a beautiful Jewish um, story that Rabbi Tesler, he gave me several books to read when I was... Um, thinking that I was going to become Jewish, which is a beautiful, beautiful, loving faith. The reason I didn't change from Christianity to Judaism was because in the process, I was still struggling. I found that I would still be caught up in the us and them struggles. So it was that being Jewish was the best faith. And Rabbi Tesler lovingly communicated that to me, but nonetheless... I got the message, and it was at a time in my life when I had walked away from very active involvement 
in a Christian church, the Methodist church, that I loved. I loved the people, but that I couldn't listen one more time to a message coming from the pulpit about how ours was the only way. Because I know that any way that leads you toward light, toward love, is blessed. And um, and I saw that as man, as judgment, and I had to get rid of that in my life. So I decided I was going to become a, uh, an Orthodox Jew. And I probably told this story on here before about how Rabbi Tesler uh, commented to me that normally he wasn't supposed to teach women, but at his age it was okay. And uh, we began the studies, and he was uh, down in Beverly Hills. And uh, he took me through the same, to the same dinner party for multiple times. And I would travel. I would fly from Northern California to Southern California for my lessons. And um, his taking me, it's interesting that I'm thinking about all this today because his taking me to the same dinner party was really exemplative of, of judgment. And uh, so at the dinner party, uh, he took me from the place of, of telling me what the most honored guest was thinking about to telling me what the most humble guest was thinking about and to telling me what the belly dancer was thinking about. And, of course, in my – I was – quite a bit younger then, and in my rush to want to know everything and move on, uh, and my I think I said my name was Miriam, I, he would, he'd say, Miriam, you know, be patient, and I'd say, um, but my, my Lord, <laughs> my Lord, Rabbi, I, I feel like in, we've been to this dinner party before, but I, that was my head, I didn't say it out loud, thank gosh. And so I just go, okay, I'm thinking, I think the rabbi really is old. We're going to the same dinner party. And then one day I suddenly understood why. Because no person at the dinner party saw the world or the dinner party through the same eyes. They were each marked by their judgments of themselves and their judgments of others. So the the least honored guest felt that he should be the most honored guest. The most honored guest uh, felt full of pride. And, I mean, it was a very, very interesting experience about the effect of judgment. In one of the books the rabbi gave me, and I gave it to a friend who was dying of um, cancer some time ago, and I didn't get it back, and that's okay. Um, She had found out that she was Jewish. She was born of a Jewish mother just prior to finding out that she was had cancer. Very interesting story there. But in this book, they tell the story, and I may not have the actors exactly right, but to me it's the story of Ishmael. And um, one day, Jeremiah went to the uh, rabbi. And Jeremiah was a very wealthy, wealthy merchant. He had everything in his life he could desire and more, multiple times over. He was so blessed. And uh, he went to the rabbi, and he said, Rabbi, I, I just don't know how to deal with the suffering in my life. And the rabbi looked at him aghast, thinking, my gosh, man, you have suffering? Uh, let me figure this out. So what's your suffering? And, uh, you know, it was the business was not so good and this and that, and it was all things that for him in that moment were suffering. And that's the thing about judgment is we, we sometimes forget that 
you know, it's like when a little baby runs up with a cut on their finger, or maybe not even a little cut, just a little touch. And it's a little red, and they need a boo-boo cover on it. They need a Band-Aid. For them, that was excruciating pain. And we kind of laugh and giggle and put the cut Band-Aid on it, and it's all well, and we kiss it, and, oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. Well, at some point in life, we... We stop kissing suffering. We stop recognizing suffering. We start judging it in a comparative model against what someone else has felt. And it's like, my God, man, how can you be suffering? And that was pretty much the rabbi, not my rabbi. That was in the story's um, message to this man. But then finally he said, if you want me to teach you about suffering, then my lesson to you is that you should go talk to Ishmael. Ishmael can teach you about suffering. And so the merchant got on the road and started walking because right away he wanted to know about suffering. And so he had to find Ishmael, and he was not a man who was used to having any of his needs not immediately satisfied. So he walked uh, to uh, the place where the rabbi had turned, and he expected to see this luminous palace around him. Instead, he saw a hovel with holes in the roof and children running everywhere barefoot and this man who was crippled and could barely move, you know, working at trying to repair things. And he went up and he said to the man, can you direct me to Ishmael's home? And the man turns and looks at Jeremiah and he says, well, I'm Ishmael. And boy, Jeremiah is about ready to turn over and do flips in his mind. It's like, what can this lowly man teach me? And he says, you're Ishmael? Yes, and may I ask why you're calling on me? He says, well, the rabbi says you have a lesson for me. And Ishmael is overwhelmed. What lesson could he teach this illustrious gentleman? And so they started talking, and they talk as men talk. Who knows what they talked about, you know. Maybe it was about uh, farming and and all of the kinds of things that somehow just hunting. Who knows? It just runs genetically in men to be able to talk to each other normally about men things. And then at some point, Ishmael's wife appears in the door of of their house, and she calls out that dinner is served. And everyone went running inside, and Ishmael even overcame his disability. And the merchant is saying, well, maybe I should leave now. And Ishmael says, no, you're our guest. Share food with us. And so they all went inside the house, and the house was cluttered and dirty and and clearly, clearly had room only for people, not things. And there was one chair sitting around the floor. And the children are all lining up, and, and the mother is calming them down. And uh, the merchant waits to see where he's supposed to sit. And they, Ishmael and the wife motion for the chair, and he sits down. He says, but I shouldn't take your chair. Oh, no, you are our most honored guest. Thank you. And then the wife brings over the evening dinner, and it's a big, big pot of water with one solo potato floating in it. And the children are clamoring because they are so hungry, they just want the food. They want the food. And 
Ishmael's wife dips out the potato and hands it to the merchant. No, 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 I can't take your potato. No, it is yours, your honored guest. And then they poured out the potato juice to everyone else, and they quietly sat there eating the the soup, the potato water and bread, and um, talking, continuing to talk of things of state. It's one of my male friends calls what men talk about. And uh, the children are supping up their food, and everyone is, is complete. And finally, Ishmael can stand it no longer. And he said, you said the rabbi sent you to me. Why? And the man, the merchant looked out at Ishmael and says, the rabbi told me that you could teach me about suffering. Ishmael's eyes open as wide as they can be. He touches his head and he says, Oh my, the rabbis made a mistake. What can I teach you about suffering? I have lovely children, a beautiful wife, a house over our head, work to do, and I have enough food to share with a new friend. I know nothing about suffering. The rabbi has made a mistake. That's a fantastic story. Isn't that a great story? I love that. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, Rabbi Tesla. That is so true that, you know, we, sometimes we get so caught up in ourselves that we don't see other people's situations and we're just so focused on ourselves that we think what our life is, whatever we're experiencing is all there is and we don't look outside of ourselves, if you will, and see what other people are experiencing and seeing that, you know, the, if we could do that, when we choose to do that, we would find that we have a wonderful life because we've all got, we've all got our problems, if you will. We've all got our pains and sufferings, and they're on different scales. And when we can look over and see that Nobody has it really that bad. And even if they do, as, as far as the physical world goes, when we can be just like that story and see that we've got wonderful things in our lives and those wonderful things are what matter most, the people in our lives, not the possessions that we have. We can experience our lives from a much different place and have much more peace in our lives. Exactly. We really can. We really can. We can We can see the luster of the moment. And we can accept that everybody doesn't want to have a lot of things. You know, everybody doesn't need to be surrounded with a lot of things in order for their life to be perfect. And that's the part of the judgment that we become so easily caught up in is thinking that what I want is what you want. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that one of the greatest moments of epiphany for me, now who knows why it took so long to suddenly hit me, uh, <laughs> occurred in the last year. Guy, <laughs> duh. I mean, this is such a duh thing that it's like <laughs> I'm embarrassed to tell it. Was I, you know, being a heightened six sensor, as you and I talked before uh, the show. I'm very comfortable being alone, and uh, I have spent much of my life alone, even when I'm with other people I've been alone, without realizing it, you know, without realizing it. And um, this, uh, so 
I, I, I understand things, not necessarily because I, uh, Mara Kemp Williams, understand them, but because I don't know. I just know them. They're just in my head already. It's hard to explain. They're just in my head already. And, and some of the things that I know are, are somewhat profound. I mean, when I say to someone, this I know, I know it. <laughs> I know it as sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And whenever I go through moments of doubting what I know, I will have something come right in front of me that is just like glistening proof. Don't doubt yourself. And I will know then that part of my life duty, my life mission, I don't like to call them gifts. My obligation is to share what I know when I'm called on to do so. So this one is really a dumb moment when I tell you. Last year, I suddenly realized that every everybody doesn't think like me. It's like, oh my gosh, because I would, you know, I was expecting reactions based on how I'm thinking and. Believe it's not happening, and I'm thinking, what's going on? And of course, once again, who do we judge first? Ourselves. And suddenly, just uh, I call the feelings that I have, I call the senses I have from the other side, the guys. Suddenly, and there's a lady down. I'm not stealing this from the tremendous psychic down in Santa Fe who calls them the guys. Her name is Ava, but I call them the guys. And so I thought. Uh, the guy said, well, everybody doesn't think the way you think. And it's like, duh. <laughs> I just like, what a, what a, everybody doesn't think alike. And so everybody doesn't need the same things, but everybody does have suffering. Everybody does have disappointment. Everybody, uh, potentially can have worries. Worries are something you either take on or you don't. And we don't all deal with those things in the same way. And we tend to judge each other on how much suffering one has and how one deals with it. I think that's right. I think I know that. We judge on how much suffering as though it's deserving or worthy. And alternatively, how one deals with the suffering. And so when the merchant came up to Ishmael, Ishmael was of little value. And had the rabbi not sent him there, the merchant would never have known of the beauty of Ishmael's soul in life. You know, I think you make a wonderful point when you keep bringing up the fact that no one sees life the way that you do. And that is so true for all of us. And that is something I have recently really understood and connected with. And from that place, I now take it upon myself, if you will, or now realize that I need to, to now experience things for myself and not take other people's word for it because their interpretation of an experience is based on how they see things. And that doesn't necessarily mean how I'm going to see them. And so I take people's opinions and I take people's comments with a grain of salt, if you will, to where I say, okay, that's valid. I understand it's valid. It's valid for you. I'm going to go find out what it means for me now. And I'll go and experience that myself. And from there, 
that's when I truly get a gift in that situation rather than just taking someone else's word for it because I realized that in my life when I kept doing that, I was losing out on the full experience of a moment because I now, for some reason, thought to myself, okay, I've already learned that one because someone told it to me, and so I've, I don't have to go that, you know, go that route and have those downfalls, if you will, and now I can just bypass that, and I realize that that is not true, that I need to find out for myself so that I truly do know. And when I do take that upon myself to take that responsibility, I have a beautiful life because I get to pick and choose through my own experiences what is good for me, if you will, through my own. You see, I, I realize that th- this is just something that I'm realizing now, is that we're never going to stop judging, if you will. But the judging we need to stop is judging others for what they do. Yes. In other words, I judge what I like in my life and what I dislike in my life. And I had a, a tendency to do the things I like and not so much do the things I don't like. But that doesn't mean I now have to project that onto other people and tell them, because I like this, you have to like this. Exactly. And because I don't like that, you can't like that. Yes. Yes. That is very true. And and I think that that that's true, too. And and we also, though, I I think that we, we need to get rid of of judging ourselves as inadequate. Right. I mean, that that is truly, just truly a huge, in fact, I should have brought this wonderful little book. I, you guys, I read it to my granddaughter. Uh, it's part of the Communion with God from Neil Donald Walsh. But it has to do with the whole illusion of judgment and the idea being that it's, we don't just judge others as lacking, we judge ourselves as lacking, and then we begin the process of filling in the gaps. One of the things we were talking about before we came on the phone today was just the whole idea of New Year's resolutions. You know, how do you how do you decide on what your New Year res, New Year's resolution is going to be? Are you going to be opening a box of new thinking, such as Brian's just described, stepping outside someone else's definition of beauty, of of vibrant, of exciting, of wealthy, of success, and building your own model, or which in fancy words they call a paradigm. So if you ever hear someone talking about paradigms, I've noticed periodically that shows up on the news lately. And I'm thinking, who knows what a paradigm is? It's a model. It's a construct about what your life would be like. You know, one of the great things about... um, a book my daughter gave me two years ago called the, um, I always screwed this up, and I think I gave mine to someone again. I do this all the time. It's called The Law of Manifestation. And, of course, I don't have it here, so I must have given it away. Um, it's I'm going to look for it, but it's a great book. It's by the Hicks. And I'm pretty certain it is called The Law of Manifestation. Uh, I'm looking on the computer. Isn't that wonderful? I'm doing like <laughs> some of the... <laughs> and, but what's wonderful about that book is last night, um, The Law of Attraction. That's what it is. It's The Law of Attraction. And I was last night looking at um, the journal I started two years ago when she gave that to me. And realizing how the construct for my life, the model for my life is laid out right there. 
you don't have to go buy this book. I mean, it would be nice if you wanted to support them, the Hicks, um, and it's the law of attraction. But uh, what I really would uh, encourage you to do, though, is get a, a book. It doesn't have to be fancy. Get some sheets of paper. In fact, my first was yellow sheets of paper, <laughs> da da, and I write down my what I'm, what I my ideal world would be like. And and they encourage you give yourself ten minutes every day just just to spend some time writing down what your ideal world would be like. You've got the whole thing there. Now let's build it bit by bit. Your construct, your model, build it element by element, like a Lego uh, castle or car. Or uh, they used to have. Um, tinker toys when I, my, when I was young. You're going to build it from the bottom up. And I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Everything that I have, I have said should be a part of my model is there. But my model is so different than anyone else's. No one can tell you what your model is, which is what Brian was just telling you. You know, that he steps outside you know, he doesn't judge others. He also doesn't let others judge him, I'm sensing. And uh, that's a different idea. How about others judging you, Brian? That's something that I've been working on. And I've, you know, I've got a real blessing in my life right now. <clears throat> I've got two roommates with me. And one of them is one you might describe as not very nice. And the other day, she... I was taking a shower, and she literally pounded on the door because she wanted to be in there. And I was like, well, I'm in here, you know? And her excuse was that she had to get to work, and, she, you know, she's under a time frame. And I realized that, I, I, you know, I, I started to feel a tinge of, you know, that's not okay, and, you know, I've got you know, my space as well and, and everything. And, and I, it, while I was in the shower, I was thinking to myself, you know, I, I've got to tell her off and, you know, say that's not acceptable and, and whatnot. And I started to realize that if I just let it go, the situation will dissolve and she'll be given the gift by me not atta- attacking back to see the situation. Because I, I, I've noticed that when someone attacks us in whatever manner it be and we attack back, we perpetuate the attacking and uh, the the situation becomes lost in attacking one another. But if yes, if one can if one can step out and say, okay, I'm not going to attack back, then it it just ends right there, and that's it. And now you are able to reflect upon the situation because it didn't take a lot of time, and there wasn't a lot of words and a lot of situations that took place. And I think that was not only a beautiful gift for her, and that's just my thinking because I haven't heard of her say anything since, and it's been a few days. Mm-hmm. And, you, and in the past, she's usually uh, still brought up the situation or complained in some way. And so not only was maybe that a gift for her, which I can't know, but I know it was a gift for me, because, and this is why I really enjoyed the situation, because it's allowing me to be more accepting of others and not to take what other people say about me personally. Because yeah. just like you had mentioned in what I said earlier, was I get to choose what I think about myself. And other people are not going to see me the way I see me. And if I'm fine with the way I see me, and I know I'm doing my best in every moment that I can, then there's nothing for me to get down on. I don't have to kick myself and say, man, I should have done a whole lot better than that instant. That's now giving me the opportunity to see that I can do better if I choose. And so Mm -hmm. that's something I take on is to not get down on myself 
and know that I'm always doing my best in every moment. And I and I know that for me, I can get better, if you will. I can improve more, and I, that's a wonderful thing. So I just always look to improve, if you will. And I love every situation that comes in my life that shows me an area that I can improve in. And this is one that I'm experiencing right now with my roommate to to not judge and indeed not to attack back when I get attacked. Yes, you know, all attack is a cry for help. Mm-hmm. If you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if you can think about um, attack as that way, then then it helps you see yourself and the other person. Because I think that seeing our connection to each other is vital. But I think what you've just said is is great. You're right. And and look at the ripple effect. It's been a positive ripple effect as opposed to a negative one. Yeah, I'd have that, to say so. Yeah, I mean that that's very good, and that's what we're all looking for in our lives is is the ripple effect. We we this morning I was thinking as Brian and I were. Uh, just before Brian called me as we were going to get ready to talk, and I was looking around at my house that is kind of in a bit of a mess because of so many people here and so many children. And it's not that there's things out of order. It's just that there were children and dogs and, uh, you know, and running in and running out. And, you know, it's just amazing. And I'm just thinking, oh, I've got to straighten this up and clean it. And... um Gee, why am I doing the radio program? What do I have to add to the universe anyway? Because there's always going to be someone out there who says the message probably more profoundly than I do. And um, my guys reminded me that uh, the world will change one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, okay, well, then at least I get to have coffee. <laughs> 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 rather <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than starting the iRobot I was going to have coffee <laughs> you know that little or the scuba or whatever his name is you know it's like I, it's a scary thought when you're uh, the things that clean your floor now have personalities and you have to run around guiding them <laughs> but it's safe labor it's safe labor I'm for it <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of, of changing my concept of how I see things and no longer seeing people as attacking, well, I can see them as attacking me, but it's rather more of a call for help rather than saying that, you know, because I, I used to judge people and say, you know, because I've experienced this and I know, I know the, the lesson from this now, I'm better than you in some way and I can tell you not to go that, down that route because I know and you know, there's a lot of arrogance attached to that. And I yeah. drop that away because I say, well, that might have been my experience and worked for me. And so there's no reason for me not to share that with someone else, but not to tell them that this is the way for them. Just tell them, here's exactly. been my experience, and allow them the freedom to look at it if they choose to or not. Yes, yes. I think that's so true because what it is 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 we've kind of got this idea going on in our heads and it's hard to explain that there aren't e- that God isn't big enough to love everybody equally therefore there's a pecking order going on and part of God's way of showing how much he loves you is by creating the life of ease and wealth and comfort and if you don't have that life then therefore you're less than uh, it's very much based it's, it's very feudalistic uh in how we we tend to peck and so 
if you don't have everything that I think you should have, then you're less than me because, and I have the perfect standard and I have the perfect ideas about how you can get to this standard. Therefore, you need to ascribe to all of those standards. And that, that was part of what my flaw, my, uh, I guess I saw as a flaw. That's a, a very judgmental word. So it's part of what wasn't right for me in, in my church, uh, was this, this realization that, uh, everybody couldn't be loved by God, you know, because I just, I just can't buy that. I just cannot on any level, any way, any shape, any form buy the idea that everyone isn't loved equally by God. God is big enough because God is all of us, and together we are perfect, but separately we're not. And each one of us has a life that we choose to define for ourselves. And who am I to say that some, uh, some person like Ishmael uh, life is not as enough because my I have more. I have more things. Why is it that the things are what make us uh, different? And you go to India, which I'm not doing, but probably someday I will, but I'm not right now. And they, you know, you will see people wandering the streets nude uh, in because they are in recognition of God. They love God. In fact, there's... Um, Nice little, of course, this is a, another Muslim one. I seem to be picking up the Muslim ones lately, but um, they're aware of this, that those who argue and discuss without understanding the truth are lost amid all forms of relative knowledge, running about here and there and trying to justify their view of the substance of ego their view of the idea of how they see the world. If you realize the self in your inmost consciousness, it will appear in its purity. This is the womb of wonder, which is not the realm of those who live only by reason. Pure in its own nature and free from the categories of finite and infinite, universal mind is the undefiled wonder which is wrongly apprehended by many. And so, I was just going to say that's a wonderful uh, truth that I think was pretty deep as far as uh, how profound it was. I, under, I understood it all, um, mm-hmm. but it, I've, I've noticed that, I guess, like you were talking about earlier, one of my gifts is to be able to understand uh, very profound truths and be able to translate them, if you will, in a way that m- might yeah. be more commonly accepted. And I think what's coming to me right now to share is actually a poem that I wrote about 10 months ago that goes right along with the conversation we've been having so far and goes perfectly with the quote that you just shared. And Great. I called, I called this poem, I Dreamt This Form. I was born into this form, and for this form I shall mourn, for my form is easily torn by the winds of the storm. Beaten, battered and bruised, I feel so used by the ones who called me friend. For all this pain I have been shown, why, why, why must I mend these wounds on my own? In this test I do my best, but I must confess, I am perplexed, I scream, what a mess. I am depressed as I walk atop this stone, seeking to find my home. I feel all alone. 
to me my pastor say, at least once each day. You failed once before, and you felt it to the core. What makes you think you'll see anything different from me? I hesitate to contemplate these thoughts I hate. I disseminate as I postulate my current state of affairs. I wait for a new slate in life. I strive for more, but to no avail. I seem to always fail. My thoughts are out of whack. I must go back to the time when I was nine and my life seemed so fine. Free to be me like the birds amongst the trees. To go wherever I please as the breeze carries me away. Until one day, as I wake from a dream, what a surprise. I now realize there's more to me than meets the eye. This form is but a guise. I now see I am a prize of the almighty wise. I can now surmise. When I look into your eyes, I no longer despise all the fear that you display. For I know you have only lost your way. I now see you as you are, but a reflection from afar. Just another part of me on the same family tree. I shout hooray, for I have finally found my way. Home is in my heart, and from there it cannot part. It's like a work of art that I now impart unto this world I now chart. I tell the simple truth. This game is but a ruse, but I know we cannot lose. For this is only a playground to which we are not bound. You can simply choose to be, and all the fun you then will see. Life is simply what you make, and to that you cannot take. All you have to do is wake from the dream. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. That really is. All you have to do is recognize that you're safe. No matter where you are, you're safe. Amen. And that's God the beauty of the, of the story that you shared with uh, Ishmael there. And seeing that he he saw the, the beauty in all of life. He saw the joy in all of life, even though he didn't have things that we might call joyous on the material level. Exactly. Yes. And uh, and so as as we go about judging people's worth based on what they have, uh, we should probably step back because there are many who have nothing who are happier than those who have a lot. Or, um, you know, I, I see judgments going on about all sorts of things, not just physical things, in terms of material things, but also in terms of physiology. You know, uh, people judge others who are not slight, who are, uh, let's see, I, who um, who don't fit some sort of prescribed model. So if, if a woman is, is Rubenesque, which was lovely in the Renaissance during that time, was considered to be, you know, the epitome of femininity. Now the epitome of femininity is to look like a 14-year-old boy with boobs. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, uh, you know, genetically, and you'll notice that children are being born with that image. I mean, that shows the creative ability of the mind. 
on on evolution in, in that uh, although there's an awful lot of plastic surgery going on to help cause young people to look this way too, there is a change in the physiology. And um, and we probably do eat too much, uh, and and probably we eat it eat too much many times because of a sense of emptiness inside ourselves that we feel with food. But to judge others because of their physiology, whether it's they're ugly or pretty, fat or slim, uh, and not take time to get to know them, just simply write them off as unworthy. That is a huge crisis that is occurring in our, our society, in our country, and especially amongst young people. It one causes me to wonder what kind of world are we evolving to, and yet there's still that same gentle, caring spirit. And, and so judgment, judge not, just huge, huge and so difficult not to do. We, we have got ourselves all categorized into millions of in-groups, us and thems. Uh, and the in-group is defined by everything that we believe is right. And so I guess we could call that righteousness. So uh, if you're thin and you have money and you drive the right car and you live in the right neighborhood and your kids go to the right schools and you eat the right sushi, sushi, <laughs> shishi food, uh, then you're right. That's the way it should be. I even see that phenomenon going on with my daughters. They're very different women with very different models of what's right. And, and it's you can see that, the judgment about, you know, what is right? One of them is um, very successful, married to a very successful man, has a very successful uh, life, uh, you know, travels, wears all the right clothes, has all the right shoes, has all the right jewelry. Yesterday when we were in San Francisco, they stopped at Tiffany's to look at things. I mean, is that a dream world or what? Uh, for many women in our society, it is. I mean, breakfast at Tiffany's is a huge, huge deal. And then I have another child who is very successful in her business, uh, in her professional life, but she lives, she's laid back. She drives a Taurus. She lives in a regular neighborhood. Uh, she believes in living life. She camps. And, um, and that's right for her. Her favorite drink is beer. Theirs is some sort of Crown Royal. But or some or else a beer that comes a blue moon beer I guess is what is out there I've got all these beers I don't drink, drink anymore but I've got Budweiser and Blue Moon now <laughs> I'll cover all I'll cover all the right taste but I mean it's just kind of interesting and yet for me as a mother to look at those children I just see two successful young kind con- caring contributing members of society. But between themselves, uh, you know, they have their own judgments going on, which I'd prefer not to hear, frankly. But um, my friends, um, I'm going to ask Brian to take us into a centering exercise and let us center, if we can, away from judging and, and toward acceptance. So you're going to notice that there's somewhat of a theme in the last few weeks since we started talking about the time of the Antichrist being dead and uh, the reopening of love. And it starts with loving yourself and letting go of... uh, So we're going to... Let's focus on letting go of judgment of ourselves as inadequate, as not enough, as needful, 
as uh, imperfect. And instead, let's move into acceptance and let's let aside, set aside our judgments of others, uh, which we only do in order to make ourselves feel more anyway. So let's just let's just knock that that part off. Let's lop it off like we're lopping a potato in half. And so now, today, focusing on yourself. Set aside those judgments of yourself where you believe you're not enough because of your size, because of your looks, because of the, your accumulation of material things. And let us just sit back and rest in the realization that no matter what, you are perfect for God, just as you are now. There is nothing more you need to do. You are perfect in product, the perfect production from all of the life experiences that you've had. And we're going to um, do a centering exercise. I don't know, Brian, I'm going... I seem to use the same ones I should put. What happens on uh, this program, my friends, is your um, your music goes goes away. So I used to have like 30 or 40 songs that were very long and good for meditation. But if you don't play them regularly, they disappear, and then you have to resave them with a different name, which is no small task. So if you hear the same music over and over, just count it up to my laziness. And I'm not judging myself as that. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's just a simple fact. I have not made the time to fix this. But we're going to listen to um, – now I've lost that one. I hope that didn't go away. I just There it is. Uh, we're going to listen to Pathless Journey because that's what we're talking about here, the realization that you are enough just as you are. You don't have, a char- have to have a charted course. And if you want one, my friends, all you have to do is get a journal and start journaling it because all thought is creative. And when you feel down, try the high road. Don't judge. Just laugh. Laugh at yourself for something mattering to you. Laugh at yourself and know that you're perfect just the way you are. There's nothing more you need to do. Don't judge yourself by some man-made standard. Judge yourself by God's standard of universal and unconditional love. And there is enough, my friends, for everyone. There is enough. Those are the three Conversation with God cards I pulled up, and they are perfect. They are perfect for today. And Brian Daniel Kobayaki's Alka's, excuse me, Kobayaki's Pathless Journey. And I'm going to turn this over to you, and it will probably be taking us almost through to the very end. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mara. And I think the the name of this song that's going to be playing, Pathless Journey, is a fantastic thought for us to hold as we go through this meditation, just like Mara was mentioning, that there is no path you must walk except the one that you're walking exactly now. There is no definition of the perfect path except for the one you are walking now because it could not be any other way. And when we accept this, when we praise this, when we realize this within ourselves and see the beauty 
in all of life in every moment. We then realize that life is indeed perfect in every moment. And all there is to life as we experience it is exactly that, the experience of life. And that is what we are doing. That is what we have come here to do, is to experience ourselves in bodies. Because indeed, we are spiritual beings. And so when we can connect in with that truth and realize that everyone is just choosing the experiences that they believe are beneficial to them for having a wonderful life. And that doesn't have to be your experience. And your experience doesn't have to be theirs. And when you allow people the freedom to choose what it is they choose, you open yourself to the freedom of choosing what it is you wish to choose. And judgment falls away by itself, just from the fact that you accept where you're at and the fact that you accept where others are at. And that's what I'd like you to hold with you as we go through this meditation. Now, with those thoughts in mind, let's get comfortable in our chairs or on the floor or laying down, whichever way brings us the most comfort and relaxation. And now let's start to take deep breaths in and let it go. And now can close your eyes and take another deep breath in and let it go and as you continue to take deep breaths becoming more relaxed more comfortable with where you're at in this moment you start to find peace in this moment from the relaxation and you start to just realize where you're at, realize the comfort, realize the peace as you slow things down within your mind and within your body through your breath. And as things slow down, you become even more relaxed, taking deep breaths in and out. And now as you do these things, it might come to your awareness that this action is beneficial for you because of the relaxation and the peace that you find in it. And that's a worthy thing to partake in if that is what you're experiencing. And the fact that you might be experiencing that gives you a benefit gives you something to connect with, allows you to see that peace is with you always. And relaxation is something that you bring to yourself, not something that something outside of you brings with it. And you can connect more and more with the truth of who you are and realize that nothing outside yourself brings you peace unless you decide it does. And you don't have to connect peace with exterior objects. 
That's not to say that you can't be peaceful when you have exterior objects around you, but they are not what brings peace to you. They are just what help you recognize the peace that's already within. And as we continue to breathe in and out, holding this recognition within us, becoming more of who we truly are as this awareness enters our mind through every breath, in through the nose and out through the mouth. And now I want you to take your attention to someone in your life or something in your life that when you're around it, when you're partaking in this, you feel joy, you feel love, and you feel peace. And as you start to connect with this person, situation, or event in your life, I want you to recognize within you the sensations, the feelings that you are connecting with as you connect with these situations. And now I want you to search within yourself and find where this joy, where this peace lies. And I think you might find that it resides within your heart, within your soul, within the true essence of who you are. And although it might center there, you feel it all around you. And you might come to the realization that that place is a place that you happened upon through your own decision. And now that you find this place and become aware of this place, you can revisit it any time that you choose through thinking about this situation, this event, or this person in your life. And as you connect more and more with that sensation, you might find that it's always there. You might come to the realization that it is never separate from you. And it's always just a thought away. And you can connect with it in an instant if you so choose, whenever you so choose. And now as we continue to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, I want you to send love to this person, situation, or event in your life. Thank it, appreciate it for what and who it is. Send your gratitude of appreciation for helping you through this event, through this person, through this situation, helping you recognize who you truly are. Seeing the gift of this situation exactly as it is, 
a beautiful gift given to you so that you can remember who you are. And as you continue to breathe in through the nose and out through the nose, I want you to sit with this sensation, sit with this connection you have made with this thing, this person. Feel the bond between the two of you. And you might come to the realization that you are connected with this thing, this person, this situation, this event. On some level, there is a connection. And through this awareness, you might come to the awareness that you are indeed connected with all things in the same manner, if only you so choose to see it that way. It's always up to you. The choice is always yours. And choose and peace can be yours in every moment, if you so choose. And as you continue to breathe into the nose and out of the mouth, you might feel a warm beautiful sensation all throughout you and within you as you come to this realization and it becomes more and more real and true for you and once again I want you to send love out to everything and everyone in the world share this love that you've connected with with all things everywhere. And as you bring your attention back to your breath, breathing into the nose and out to the mouth, into the nose and out to the mouth, slowly, slowly, Begin to open your eyes and see and feel the connection with all things around you, with anyone who might be around you, and realize that you are indeed connected. very much very much that was beautiful thank you Ma. see I so appreciate that we have just a few minutes here um, let us uh, as Brian and I do our little sign-off here we'll play just a few seconds of uh, I love this uh, musician Daniel Kobiaka let's play moon gazing on the interlunar sea um, thank you all for joining Brian and I on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. Uh, we appreciate your coming. Please feel comfortable to call in. Uh, thank you, and may you have a beautiful new year. Brian? Yes.
You, I'll let you lead us out. Thank you all for being here. And I'll let you know what my New Year's resolution, if you will, is. That is to surrender to each moment and to not judge others through my own interpretation of what I believe is right and wrong. And that's something that we can only do in the moment. And so that's something that I will be carrying with me throughout every moment of each of my days. And my New Year's resolution will be to accept myself for who I am in any given moment, letting go of the need to please others always, and forgiving myself when I don't please myself. On the mountain I beheld only God. In hardship I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being I beheld only God. Like a candle I melted in his flame. Amidst the sparks of the flames I beheld only God. Namaste, my friends. Peace be with you this week. Namaste. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for being here. Take care.